0: JMPK, PK, it's 97 and 1280 the zone. We just got the news. Joe Ingalls and the Jazz had to stay overnight in Minnesota, flying back this morning, so Joe won't be able to join us. We will talk to him tomorrow. We do have Tim Lacombe coming up at 8:30 off the Jazz pre-half and post-game. Get all your basketball questions ready for Tim. The coach will break it down. So what percentage do you assign to this Minnesota being Minnesota and Minnesota sucking right now? Eh, They've lost 10 of 13. I'd say 40 to 45. Okay. I got to say, I thought you were going to go higher than that.
1: No. I thought I saw a different jazz than what
0: I've seen. the, The two things that I would say that were different, that the jazz did, that the jazz control that don't have to do with Minnesota being in a bad place right now. One, the energy and body language, even when the game was close in the first half, I mean, obviously they were laughing it up when they were up by 20, but even the first half when the game was close, it seemed like the body language was better, the energy was better, and then the other thing is, and they can control this, is I thought there was less dribbling, late to get into the play, maybe a possession with one pass in it, and a poor shot. The ball moved earlier. I thought there were more passes, switching side to side and making the defense move, and they got better shots out of it. And you could still miss better shots, so that's to your point. They are fortunate the ball went in. But the ball has a better chance of going in when you make the defense move as opposed to letting guys stand there, and then Donovan has to go into the lane and take a shot against the shot clock with guys jumping at him.
1: Well, I think that's the, harder. When you have an open shot – it has the chance of going in relative to the player's ability that the percentages show how much the chances are that it goes in. So if Donovan is wide open from 15, what is his percentage? Is it? It's probably very high. And that'll always be very high. So if, if the shot's open, if it's some contested ridiculous shot, right. that's another story. But I'm saying when they're moving the ball and – whether it's a three-pointer, whether it's a mid-range, whether it's at the rim, a float, whatever. Whatever their percentages are, that's the percentage that it is.
0: And the un- the numbers for those uncontested shots are going, from the same spot on the floor as a contested shot, are going to be way better. Right. And they got more of those uncontested shots. Now, partly they got them because Minnesota's not good defensively, but partly they got it because they moved the ball. And we can, run, we can run that past Tim.
1: I think that the opposition had little to do with Joe Ingles. That was a mindset right yeah. from the start of the game. And he needs to have that. And I I don't know this, but I'm going to float this out there because this is my job. I think the other guys play better with, right now, Ingles than they do Conley. Yeah, I can see that. And I'm not here to dump on Mike because I believe that he's going to be fine.
0: But right now... How much can they get him out there, Joe? He needs to be with out there this, as much with, as possible with the starting group.
1: As much as possible.
0: Eight five five three four zero zone. We got a lot of you weighing in on Twitter. David DJ James. Was this the real Jazz versus Minnesota, or just beating up on a uh, on a mediocre team? Uh, and, and we got plenty of people who are saying it was both. The team looked better, and they just can't overlook the fact that Minnesota not good. Certainly, yeah, certainly no not right now. Maybe they'll be better I, later I, in the year. I have year, no
1: problem but, with that.
0: But right now. They've got
1: good players. They just don't have enough of them. And they've got some good players that teams would want. any At any point, they become available. But they're not overall a good team. And they haven't been. I used to scoff the last five years. This is the year the Timberwolves break out. We right. They kept saying that for, forever and ever. And I kept saying no, 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 and no. Doesn't mean they don't have good players and are capable. They've already beat the Jazz once, right? Yep. Here, no less. They
0: played three times and the yeah. road teams won all three games.
1: Yeah. I think that, to me, the biggest thing was was Joe. Joe was different. And it's got to be Joe's mindset. And Joe needs to take that mindset. You know, he comes off as this goofy guy and all this. And obviously, he's serious out on the floor. But I think he's serious about fitting in. No. You don't need to fit in. You need to play the best of your ability, which is pretty good, and it's going to make other guys better. And Mitchell Mitchell needs to – I want to see Mitchell have the attitude of uh, a a Jordan. Be that proverbial pee out on the floor. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and – you see flashes of it out of him? Now, we're remembering peak Jordan, because that's who we saw you know, in the finals all those years. Certainly two years against the Jazz the other
1: years. I remember Jordan at Wilmington High School. Really? I think it was Laney in Wilmington, North Carolina. I've been to Wilmington, North Carolina. There's nothing to do with anything, but go ahead. I,
0: th- I thought he had it a couple times. <laughs> In the last couple of games, even though they lost to Oklahoma City, a couple of times you would see him late in the shot clock use this screen one on one, pull up three pointer. There was a stretch in that first half, hearing the same, probably getting the same marching orders from Quinn that Joe did, where he got into the lane again and again and again. He was seven and nine at one point, and it was a bunch of open fifteen footers. And that's why I was telling you. In the long run, he may be the best guy to go with the bench guys because if the bench guys are, you know, I mean, when they signed Ed, we heard this guy will defend and he will rebound. We didn't we Signed told Ed Davis. That they dead. Ed. 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 <laughs>
1: signed Ed. All right, go ahead.
0: Ed. We weren't told, "Hey, this guy's going to run the greatest pick and roll ever. This Ed? guy's a stretch five. Ed? This guy's it." It was he's tough. He's hard nosed. He will defend he's and cheap. he will rebound. <laughs> <laughs> they spent all the they spent all the money on Mike and Rudy. So and Bogey and Joe too. Eighty five million on those four guys. So you need someone out there who is really capable offensively. Who even if they're the focal
1: point of the defense can get it done. Yeah, but if you're great, you ought to be able to be great no matter who's out there. So that's a big old duh to me. Right. Because if he's great, okay, do you think, then he should but, be but great Joe's, at everybody. But Joe's everybody. playing with
0: the second group. Do you think Joe's great? Joe's not great, no. Right. I understand what you're saying. i agreeing with you. He's the guy who's been trying to carry this second unit. It's been him and someone. And they have played Donovan with it. And I think Donovan needs more of what you said. And nobody wants to hear this. You know, and maybe this is something you have to learn to do over time. Locke was talking about on the radio broadcast that—I can't remember which game it was. I think it was the Oakland City game. It was one of the games the Jazz lost where you could see Donovan, like, knew, I have to be the guy now, but he was taking bad shots. Now, it was for the right reason, and it may be a trial and error thing, and that's why most NBA champions— don't the guys that we recognize as the 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 ace, the star, most of those guys, Shaq, Jordan, don't win a title until they're twenty seven. Duncan and Bird are outliers. Magic's an outlier, but most of these guys win when they get to the late twenties and early thirties because you got to figure this stuff out. And none of us want to wait for Donovan to figure it out. We'd like Donovan to figure it out by you know like nine fifteen. That'd be good. Let's get it done.
1: I don't care about the bad shots. I mean, just. Take over the mindset. Be the biggest BA that you can be because you need to be that. And if you need to be a little on the nasty side, have at it, friends. Be as nasty as you can be. I mean, in Jordan's last game in a Bulls uniform here, he was 15 of 35. <laughs> yeah. Oh, are you sure it's 15 of 35? I'm looking at it right oh, now. Okay. I called it up.
0: I thought it was 15
1: of 45. Says 15 to 35. Unless it's wrong.
0: The, the point is it was a low percentage. How yeah. low we can figure out later.
1: But he was the man. And he had 45 points. Maybe that's where you got it. Hmm. Uh, be the freaking man. And take some bad shots. Who's going to question you? Ron Harper going to question you? Tony Kukok going to question you? <laughs> i don't think tony so
0: who?
1: tony kukok thanks rick <laughs> i got that <laughs> right steve kerr is scotty burrell gonna question you
0: <laughs> yes that's who's gonna question you <laughs> i hadn't even thought of even forever <laughs> mike what are you doing and i'm open
1: mike <laughs> i think mitchell needs to elevate his attitude what do you mean by that? Stop being Mr. Nice Guy and pleasing people all the time. Are the greatest players, are they the super nicest guys?
0: Yes. Not so Does everybody nice. have
1: to be like Dale Murphy?
0: <laughs> we need more Dale Murphys.
1: Out on the floor? No. Can you say the P word? Because be it. Who doesn't want to see that? Jordan, I can remember Jordan was getting scuffles left and right. Punching Steve Kerr. Well, I remember one time it was some stiff, and he was about to go, and he, he cocks his wrist, right? And he's ready, and you just see the look on his face. Ah, it's not worth it. I can't get suspended. <laughs> but he's all, he's got the he fist was ready, ready, to, ready go. to go. Right, Right? right. I can't let
0: some stiff get me suspended. Yeah. Yeah, we both get kicked out, and he's him and I'm me. That's harder on the Bulls than it is on whoever th- else.
1: The other day was Larry Bird's uh, 63rd birthday. So I saw something 10 minutes of Larry Bird. And he's going face to throat with Abdul. in the. I assume it was in right. the finals. Let's see that. And Dr. J and Larry Bird, they're duking it out. Now, we can't duke it out anymore.
0: No, you can't duke it out. And, and the, the truth is, with free agency and international play... Screw that! I, I know, but a lot of that has been lost. Screw
1: it! Do you want to win, or do you want to be somebody's friend? And the exception is,
0: LeBron and Steph Curry seem to have irritated each other. And
1: they were scrapping for championships. Magic and Isaiah! They're smooching and throwing down. <laughs> Does Mitchell need to be more of a you-know-what? i tell you what he needs. Mitchell needs to be, attitudinally speaking, mm-hmm. he needs to be more like PK and less, less like, like DJ. DJ. <laughs>
0: All
1: right, on that note. No more freaking Mr. Nice Guy. Sing Who's it. Who's with me? Sing it. Sing what? No more Mr. Nice Guy. I don't know what you talking about? I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to worry about that. Go out there and give an interview. Like that was a dumb bleep question. <laughs> Have some conflict. Do we need all this niceness around here? I need it focused on the game. I need it attitudinally. Right, and that's what think, attitudinally
0: is about. I think Larry Bird could be the best because you got to be who you are. You can't be
1: well who you are fake tough guy. the, the guys. Right but, not, all the winners aren't fake tough guys. They're winners. I think
0: just the way he carries himself of the, all the elite players you've named, I would say Bird, if you want to go old school, and
1: Steph. You gotta be you gotta be who you are. Well but you can be whoever you want to be. Yeah. It's not like this is something from birth. The dude was born back east, so he's run into a, a bunch of abrasive people. <laughs> Connecticut
0: right outside of New York.
1: It's all the same thing right. there. They're miles apart. I mean, he, he wasn't he's probably what 60 miles from where I grew up. You, you- need you need some attitude. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at
0: 12.80 of the zone. Tim McCombs coming up. We'll run this past him next on 97.5 at 12.80 the zone.
2: The Jazz, the Utes, and the Cougars. Three, two.
3: This is real.
2: When it comes to covering the teams you're passionate about, nobody does it better. Yes! This is DJ and PK. Okay. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. Okay. This is 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
0: PK, time to talk some jazz, basketball, and a little college hoops as well with Tim Lacombe, former BYU assistant, worked at the U before that, now on the jazz pre-half and post-game shows. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get an iPhone 11 on us when you activate a new line of service for the Flex Lease and eligible trade-in now through December 5 Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Tim, good morning.
4: Great to be with you, uh, with DJ and Lucifer. Been a while since we've heated things up.
0: You want to react to that, Lucifer, or no? I'm just gonna let that slide.
4: He's sitting over in the corner with his pitchfork, I'm going to a slight grin.
1: Well, I'm recording this. Okay, good.
4: <laughs> For posterity. Before we get, I just to- heard a little oh. soundbite. So somebody called you guys DJ and Lucifer or something. I liked it and thought I'd use it today. Thought I'd get a little better response. So, my bad.
1: No, I, there'll come a time there'll be payback.
0: <laughs> that I always payback. Always. always. So, is that what happened with the Jazz? Is Minnesota the wrong team to show up at the wrong time when the Jazz had finally had it? You got to bottom out before you bounce back and all that stuff?
4: You know, I, it's funny because right after the game we talked about it and, and uh, with David and Ron and I mean, I, obviously I think there's something to the fact that Minnesota's not a great defensive team, but it's still in the way the, the way the Jazz did it. You know, it wasn't that they just continued to kind of try to do it their way. There was kind of a, in my mind, there was kind of a flip that was switch. And uh, they, they definitely started to try to make plays for each other. You know, everybody talks about the blunder, but the blunder's got to start by somebody making a play, almost give themselves up, get two on the ball. Um, and then move the ball quickly, and that's kind of what they did last night, more often than they had. So it was a it was a great night, and they ended up with getting a lot of the shots that looked like jazz basketball.
1: So I think the thing with Ingles is that his mindset was much different, and he came out right from the start, looking to score, looking to be aggressive, and help his team offensively. You know, I think you can count on him giving. All he's got on the defensive end every night. I don't think that's a question. But offensively, whether it's a form of being tentative or the lineups that he's with, whatever it is, we're not sure what he's going to do offensively. And then when he produces a game like he did against the Timberwolves, Well, I would imagine the chances of the Jazz winning are probably over 80%. So with that in mind, what needs to happen to make sure, and he may not have the quality of game that he had against the Timberwolves all the time, because if he did, then he would be a potential all-star, but what needs to happen for him to get to that level as much as possible?
4: I think you said it. I think his mindset. Um, You know, last night he came out, and, and I think maybe starting has something to do with it, you know, that the whole idea of him kind of sacrificing a little bit for the team may have done something to his mindset, but to me last night he came out in the first eight possessions and took five shots. Um, And he wasn't forcing things, you know, they were good shots and they're shots that you, you want Joe to take. And, And so I think just what you said, I think his mindset needs to be one that because he's, he's such a great player that he understands like Joe doesn't really force bad shots, you know, and, and, he plays such a great pace coming off the ball screen, and he kind of can get guys in the right spot. So I liked his aggressive mindset um, with the ball in his hands to, to make a play, which may just take a lot of pressure off everybody else to start a game.
0: I'm of the opinion that he's much better with the starting group than the bench group, especially when he gets to run the pick-and-roll with Rudy, is that because the other guys are new, or is that because Joe's skill set just meshes with those players who are starting better?
4: I think it's it's probably a combination of both. But my feeling on Joe is that he, uh, you know, the one thing that he he does a great job at, and Donovan even kind of poked fun at him last week. But talk to when we were coaching, we talk to our guys all the time about coming off the ball screen with a really good pace. Um, not have your mind predetermined uh, as to what you're going to do, and there was a play in the game last night where Joe came off, got to the lane, Rudy rolled, um, and you know easily Joe could have shot a tough, a tough floater, um, but instead he waited for Rudy, he waited for the defense to commit, kind of scoop the ball underhand to Rudy for a dunk. You know, and it's just the plays like that. He just has a real great feel for not only. Pick and roll, but personnel on the Jazz team within the pick and roll. Um, you know, I think one of the things they're struggling with right now is uh, guys like Moutier, for instance. He comes off the pick and roll 100 miles an hour, hell bent on getting to the rim. When in reality, what your goal should be is come off the ball screen, read how you're being played. You know, by both the different guys involved in the pick and roll, but also where's the help. And what can I do quickly to spin this ball so that we can get these guys in rotation? And that's what the whole game's about.
1: So generally we've seen so far that Conley has been somewhat, if not a major disappointment. But what needs to happen as far as his game acclimating into the lineup when he comes back to make sure he and then obviously the team have the most success that that both can have?
4: You know what I almost feel like, you know, he's had such struggle shooting the ball. Um And and yet still, you know, taking a lot of shots. I almost wondered as he watches this team play, and it might be, you know, heaven sent for him to take a break and and sit back and watch just to get everything kind of sorted out. I've been one that said that career data points will catch up, and he's certainly played below what he's done throughout his career. But this little time for him to watch might be exactly what he needs to understand that maybe this team doesn't even need me to shoot as much or score as much because I've got guys all around me that can do that. And just look at the ways, you know, that he, you know, using different skill sets, you know, certainly got to shoot wide open shots and he's got to push the ball in transition. Um, but what else can I do to get everybody else a little bit more involved? Um, and that's what I think needs to happen overall. I think this whole, where the Jazz are is there's no time. There's not the time to panic. Um, it's a long season, and I know that that's cliche, but it's true. And really, beyond the Lakers and Minnesota, everybody else is kind of losing five, six, seven games. So right now, it's just a matter of trying to get your um, trying to get your team to be you know just start to function better. And Conley coming in and maybe being a little less aggressive to score and maybe more to make plays along the way maybe that'll help some things
0: former BYU assistant Tim Lacombe joining us he's on the Jazz pre-half and post-game shows Uh, one thing that's been frustrating with the offense and you know they brought in 10 new players it's two-thirds of the team and you probably as a college coach go through this more often because the turnover nobody's there more than four years and at BYU you also have guys coming and going with missions So when you were coaching, did you guys watch the offense run and think, well, that's not what it's supposed to look like? But the players don't know because they haven't been there. And you know, and I'm wondering if that's what Quinn's going through because last night I thought they passed the ball, they moved. It looked like what it's supposed to look like. And there have been too many games, too many possessions where – too much dribbling, getting in the offense late, not enough passes, not moving the ball side to side, and just it doesn't look right. So, of course, it ends up with a forced shot and a missed shot and everyone
4: getting frustrated. Have you been yeah, seeing for sure. that? Uh, yeah, I, I can to- totally relate to that. And, you know, the funny thing about offense itself is there's so many elements that have to be good. But in just watching the difference between the Oklahoma City game, and, and again, we, I use the word pace. But pace doesn't always apply to the guy with the ball in my mind. I feel like Jazz run a lot of pin downs, so Rudy will go down set a down screen to initiate the offense. And, you know, a lot of times it's bogey coming off the pick off that pin down, and how bogey comes off the pin down really sets the tone for, for how the offensive possession is going to be. If he just kind of allows you guys coming off that thing um, and allows his defender to get through the screen and there's nowhere to go with the ball, well, you're already – against you know against the clock but if he sets his guy up and he comes hard off that curl and he creates an opening for them Rudy to get the ball or Rudy to hand the ball off to Donovan now you've got guys in a blender now you've got guys behind the play or you've got two on the ball but if you don't come off you know your cuts aren't sharp um even simply a pass to the wing and cut to the corner if that's not sharp and guys aren't getting out of the way um then timing gets you know disrupted, and I certainly believe that's you know that's got to be a frustration for for the staff at times because it's yeah they know how this thing's supposed to run and work, but right now they're just not seeing it all fire, and there's so many different things you've got to do to kind of clean that up.
1: So much time do you give them before they're hitting their peak?
4: I think, and we we talked about it last night. There was a there was a stat thrown up during the. The game, but um, I didn't realize the next 20 games, they're going to play 15 teams under 500, and they're going to play an average schedule in the next 20, of uh, strength of schedule of 30 in the NBA, and then during that 20-game stretch, they have zero back-to-backs, so my feeling is over the next 20 games, you're going to see um, a, a real shift, because I think that... The message is clear. The guys were talking about it after the game, and that's such a huge part. You've you got to have a message that you believe in as a coach, then you have to give it to your guys, and then the biggest piece is they have to adopt it. And I think sandwiched that, that Oklahoma City game sandwich between Memphis and the game last night um, at Minnesota and the two different results and the two different ways the guys felt after both games, I think that message is coming through. So I think over the next 20 games, they'll uh, you're going to start to see things take over. Guys getting a little bit more healthy, rotation set a little better. Um, but my go- my feeling is over the next 20, they'll make a move.
0: You know, there's always the do you kick him in the butt or pat him on the back? And you saw how Rick Majerus did it when you were in the Utah program. You saw how but was Ju- definitely a pat on the back. <laughs> yeah, right. You saw how Juddie and Donnie talked to guys, uh, and then and you're with for, and then you're with Dave Rose, and you see, you know, it's different. So you've got all these different experiences, and I'm wondering with Quinn right now. If you were Quinn, would you go into a film session and show guys stuff in the Minnesota game they need to clean up or would you go in and show them a bunch of good possessions where the ball moved and resulted in a good shot and send it like it needs keep doing this this is what is going to work which way would you handle it going forward? Mentally, where do you think the team is?
4: Um, well I think they're a mature team even though they've got a new a bunch of new pieces. I think their character and maturity is really good. Um, I really watch games, I'm crazy, I watch benches and body language and I have not seen you know, any concerning signs I think they've got good guys in in the right spots Um, but I still believe there's just like like anything there's a time and a place for you to maybe ramp up the energy and I'm sure that's been done, Um, but to me it seems like one of Quinn's great tra- traits and his staff is their communication. Um, I love to watch during a game as he pulls guys out or at timeouts, just the way he, a lot of one-on-one explaining stuff to guys. Um, so, I think this day and age, and probably the current NBA, there's a lot more showing um, successful possessions and then trying to tailor your play after that.
1: I'm of the opinion that Mitchell needs to be a little bit nastier. What do you think?
4: Um, you, you said a little bit more nasty. Yeah. Yeah, I think that he's, you know, the one thing about Donovan he's such a good guy. I Sometimes know. It's hard be more to like do that. me. That's. I don't know that he needs to go that far. <laughs> I mean, we don't need to say Rudy and Lucifer, or... Running Top the pick two. and roll. Ha,
0: how would that not be the best bowler call ever? Rudy and Lucifer are going to the right pick now, and roll.
4: <laughs> guarding that Lucifer Rudy pick and roll is straight hell. I'm just going to tell you.
1: Was Jordan you know, a nice guy? Come on.
4: Um, you know, I, I think there's always a level of, of, you know, I think that's one thing I love about Joe, is he seems like a nice dude, but he's got, he always got something to say, and, you know. Donovan's still learning. I, I I don't know if I want to throw one more thing on him because he's doing everything. Like last night was so awesome, the way he kind of dis- decided, you know, he learned from Oklahoma City. He didn't try to force too much. And it's a fine line because you need him to force some, um, but you don't want it to get out of hand because that becomes contagious and then it's bar the door, right? So um, I, I'm okay with where Donovan is. I think that... I think that he's ultimately really competitive, and I love that part. Uh, and that's the part that i that's really important. He does care what the score is.
1: I say come back after the new year with a Tupac tat on his bicep.
4: I'd go with it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. Certainly, I'm, I don't judge. If you want a tattoo, throw it on.
1: Oh, I would judge. I would judge. That would be awesome. It's a new me, a new year, a new me. He's embracing it. Check old. out Tupac, man. <laughs> he's in he's embracing he realized
4: if PT and I had a show we'd never talk about anything but stupid stuff that we'd laugh at. <laughs> and everybody else would be like, what in the world is going on in there?
1: Okay, I'm fine with that. Yeah, that
4: could work. I wouldn't rule it out.
1: I've been doing it for eighteen years.
4: <laughs> we just gotta get DJ out of the road. Any ideas?
1: Get him out of the room?
4: No, just get him out of the way.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Just put an omelet next Uh-oh. door. He'll be gone. <laughs>
4: I get some yeah, pro for the, bono work. Only
1: somebody
0: for somebody do a little pro bono work for me with DJ there? Only about 25 seconds. Yeah,
1: we'll just yeah. have a, a conveyor uh, belt of omelets.
0: Second breakfast
1: is coming. <laughs> okay.
4: <laughs> hey, DJ, you want to go for a little ride? Hop <laughs> in the back. Fine. The trunk. Why are we going to the Great Salt Lake? Because uh, <laughs> there's uh, some cool alpaca out there. See, this is what it would be. We just got off
0: topic. This is basically it. So now we have to bring up the incredibly obvious that nobody wants to address. Uh, Did they really figure something out, or was this a little bit of fool's gold because it's Minnesota, they lost 10 out of 13, and uh, come on, let's not oversell this.
4: I think they figured something out. Um, The one thing that I really truly believe is that Everybody got way, way ahead of themselves, uh, which happens all the time with fan bases. But um, they went out and signed a bunch of known commodities guys. Like, I guess Conley more than anything. But I, I do believe that there was a ton of undue expectation put on them to, you know, everybody's talking about them winning the West. And it really was, Or the Jazz going to take first or second? And, uh, I do believe that every season you've got, I mean, nobody just flies to very, very few teams just fly through seasons without a whole lot of hiccups. And I do think that Quinn, as much as it's hard to go through this, he probably loves problem solving as much as every coach. So I, we're all crazy because you hate being in the situation, but you love it at the same time. Cause it gives you an opportunity to do what you do. Um, and I do think he's great at it. Uh, So, just some adjustments, guys getting better, guys understanding what is ultimately wanted, you know, the whole concept of good to great, um, and just being able to kind of right the ship. And I do think, at the end of the day, are they going to win the West? I don't think so. Um, I mean, there's some good teams out there, but will the Jazz put themselves in a really good position for the playoffs? My feeling is yes.
0: Well, I will say that they encouraged those expectations by starting 11 and 5, because I didn't think they were going to do that. So that was one thing. And then I think the other thing is what you said nobody flies through the season. I didn't know the Lakers were going to do this right out of the gate. No, I didn't either. In fact, you know,
4: in the pre-NBA pre-show, preseason show, I was just happened to drive around town, but I heard our boy. Uh, hands on the radio, picked the Lakers to win the West, and I about drove off the ropes because was laughing so hard. You know, at that point in time, it was just like, again, I felt like that's what everybody. Okay, now they've got AD, which I understand. Like the guy's amazing, and they got LeBron, but then what? And uh, I, I did not expect them to be where they are right now.
1: Hey, quickly, uh, as far as the Cougars, I think they're playing better than we expected. I'm wondering it's because it's two things: it's uh, the fact that the guys are seniors; they got better talent and they're more mature, and obviously they got better assistant coaching.
4: Well, the latter part for sure. Um, You know, it is it was an absolute just crap show over there last year with the uh, the assistants, from what I understand. Yeah, (laughs) just insider knowledge. Um, You know, Kamard was just horrible, and (laughs) I think. The Lacombe guy was solid, but he was constantly trying to get Kamar to do the right thing. So <laughs>
1: Good luck on that.
4: Um, no, in, on, in all honesty, man, I'm telling you right now, this BUA team's playing is good because BYU basketball played in years. Yeah. And I think that it's exactly what we're talking about with the Jazz. It's And Coach Pope and his staff have done an amazing job of basically – what we're talking about with the Jazz, every single guy just doing what they do really well, and no one gives uh, any kind of, no one cares who scores, no one cares but but as a collective unit they want to win, and I'm telling you, once you get to that point, it's so fun, because watching this BYU team has been so fun to watch, it's been interesting because, you know, we recruited all those guys, <clears throat> kind of watched them grow, but then it's to be away from it and just flip it on TV and watch them. And I can't, you know, at this point in the season, I can't give Coach Pope and the, the staff enough credit. I think they've done a, an amazing job of getting this team together. But also the credit goes to the players because those guys are they're tough. They're battling. Um, you know, they've stepped up their game defensively. But the most important thing is they're playing really selfless basketball. And they make it look easy. But that's what happens when you click that threshold of just playing – reading the defense and making them making any decision they make wrong because that's what you can do in basketball it's just like you know checkers or chess it's a numbers game um they they really have a great flow to them and a good pace to them in the last two games like i say i don't know that i've seen bwe play that well in quite some time
0: why is the defense so much better you had so many games where it had to frustrate you you give up 80 and you lose you played well enough offensively and you couldn't stop anybody and to beat nevada 75 42 i couldn't believe the 42 number
4: yeah you know what a big part of it too though is in my mind is uh every single shot they take um the guys know it's coming I, you know I, I think it comes back to maybe some dis- some better discipline and shot selection because uh then you can handle the transition opportunities a little better. Sometimes you get down there and take a tough shot. Guys aren't expecting it. The floor's out of balance. Um, and that happens from time to time. But I agree with you. I just, I just think that the collective mindset to get a stop. Um, and I've been super impressed because a lot of times they're undersized against teams they're playing against. And you don't see any kind of sign of that on the boards at all. Um, they've got a great mindset to kind of gang rebound. So minus the, uh, you know, I felt like the one game that was a little bit of a hiccup was the Utah game because they really, they kind of had that game in control for a long time and then got away from them, similar to like the San Francisco game for us last year. And it's one you look back on and like, how did we lose that game? But beyond that, you know, I felt like they they played Kansas tough and Boise is a tough place to play. You know, it's always kind of a little bit of flip a coin. Uh, the San Diego State's proven to be. A phenomenal team. I think that goes back to the roots of young DJ James. You know, being in the city and getting some pride there in the Aztecs. Um, I like it. But been very, very impressed. Oh, very, I mean, remarkably impressed with what BYU is doing right now.
0: Well, we appreciate a few minutes, Tim. Thanks for joining us. It's
4: always good to be with you guys.
0: Tim Lacombe, former yeah. BYU assistant coach, now on the Jazz pre half and post game shows from last night. After the game, all right, we got to take a break. DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone, hoping to have Joe Ingles today, but there've been some changes to the uh, travel plan for the Jazz, getting back from Minnesota. So we'll be getting Joe tomorrow. So look forward to that. DJ and PK, reminding you, Scotty Hands Monday, December sixteenth. Join them noon to three at my Hearing Center in Sandy. That's eighty-nine forty-one South, seven hundred East, Suite two zero four. DJ and PK. Follow
2: DJ and PK on Twitter where the show never ends. At David DJ James and PK Kinahan. You're locked on to DJ and PK. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. This is 97.5-1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
0: P.K., it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. P.K., we've talked a lot of jazz basketball this morning, which you would expect after their win last night. But there is other news out there. Uh, Some of it is uh, not all that surprising. I think that people, even if they aren't surprised, will be relieved to know that at least some of these topics are on the table.
1: Well, I think the biggest news today is Frank Sinatra's 104th birthday.
0: Just played Fly Me to the Moon in the last we, break. Yeah? We need to acknowledge that. Well, we've done that.
1: He's born in Jersey, just like me. And we both can sing. And we're both great lovers. But you want to talk about Larry Scott. is considering that uh, authoring some form of legislation. I don't know what you would call it. But this comes off of McMurphy's tweet uh, Twitter that Larry wants... A requirement that all Power 5 conferences have to play 10 Power 5 opponents.
0: I like it. I don't. Why not? You've been complaining about the Utes. They haven't been doing it. Depending on how you count BYU. If you count BYU as a Power 5, and some leagues do, other leagues may may not have addressed it.
1: So I can play three Kansases?
0: Yes. It's true, and there will be a long—I just saw a tweet about this because it came up and someone's like, man, there's going to be a lot of people calling Kansas and Vanderbilt. Right. They're <laughs> like, come on, let's go. So is that
1: that you know, big of a deal? It
0: really—it it is. Um, I think it's still a big deal, but you're right, it does leave that loophole underdressed like, really, you play Kansas instead of Boise State and you think you made your schedule tougher? Because you didn't. You made your schedule easier. Right. Right.
1: And so you're denying—at least a good thing about a Western Carolina when they play Alabama— They get a payday, so it helps Western Carolina. So now I'm going to take away that opportunity to give those guys money that supplements their program so the women's lacrosse team can actually fuel the team, or I should say men, because they don't drop women's sports, they drop men's sports. So the the men's swimming team at Western Carolina, sorry, you're axed. Because there's this rule here, so they're not going to play as—they're going to play some dog from some Power 5 conference, so we're out, so you have to suffer. Come on. Who likes that? I don't like that at all. This
0: is a dumb requirement. I think that regardless of how this legislation goes, if it's embraced or whatever, I think teams are feeling the pressure from their season ticket holders— and from their sponsors to play games that matter. And I think we're seeing the trend. You were just reading, ASU has scheduled big games out for like 15 years. The Utes are expanding their stadium, and those are going to be high-dollar seats, and they're changing their schedule. Because I think if you want to charge money, you got to provide value. So now Florida's on the schedule. That's one game. Houston, Baylor. One game. I think when they played, I think the feedback they got up there And uh, we're having Mark Harlan on tomorrow so we can ask him. Uh, But I think the feedback they got from the fan base when they had back-to-back games with Northern Illinois and Idaho State was not good. I don't think you fans liked it. I don't think they like paying for that. And I think that that's that's not a one-off with the U. I think that's, well, we heard from BYU fans when they went to so you, independent. So you, had you get one home game games,
1: and all of a sudden everything's going to solve all the problems. They'll have maximum, they'll have a 25-year no, waiting list. I
0: do think we've seen the SEC coast with an eight-game schedule and you play one Power Five team that may not even be any good, Duke, and you call it good. And so I think the combination of the pressure from the fans and the pressure from the commissioners should lead to better schedules. You're right. It'll still be flawed because you take that Power Five label and Boise State's better than Kansas. And Houston and Memphis and Cincinnati and any given year, these other teams, Fresno State, San Diego State, they're better than the bottom of the Power Five. Man, when Oregon State was down, Oregon State was way down. And they were back this year.
1: Yeah, I don't know that it has to be be better than the bottom five or the but the bottom rest of the half. country is sick of looking at the
0: SEC coasting through it and not playing anybody. I mean, so that's really, really just
1: beat the snot out of some dog team. Like <laughs> Omaha, Oklahoma well, played UC Los Angeles. That's a big Power Five matchup, and UC Los Angeles was not the bottom half of the South. They actually finished third.
0: You can't legislate away all bad games, but I think the trend is going to be towards more big games, just, more big matchups. Just
1: do it. Have the five teams get in. Whoever wins the thing. Get in. So who cares what your schedule is?
0: Well, there's also a tweet out from Brett McMurphy about that. That it probably won't happen until the deals up right. in 2026. So, but eight teams,
1: you get five automatic,
0: five bids, champs, and, and three then, at large. And if you
1: want one group of five, and then the others, yeah, what is SEC that, or Notre Dame other, or whoever, right? Yeah, two other uh, at larges. You have a space. Who cares who they play. Yeah.
0: You have a space in case an Ohio State or an LSU does lose a conference title game, and everybody knows they're awesome. They can still get in.
1: Yeah, I don't think scheduling I don't I, I don't think fans may be clamoring for it but meanwhile salaries keep going up and up and up and up and up for coaches so clearly they're making more money than ever
0: Andrew is that the same deal for you well you want salaries to up, up and up up and up, <laughs> up, and up, and up, and up Clinic, forever for sure college football I see what you did there. That was clever. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Reinhart, Wasatch Medical Clinic in studio this morning with a treatment for ED, for guys who are having issues.
3: Yes, a new treatment that is becoming very popular for what it's not. It's not uh, a hormone. It's not a pill. Um, think about being able to throw away the pills. If you've got erectile dysfunction out there... Um, being able to get the natural spontaneity back that is what our treatment the acoustic wave therapy does it's the first and only thing that treats the root cause problem of erectile dysfunction um, lack of blood flow it opens up the blood vessels regrows blood vessels it's kind of a plumbing fix it's a way to think about it Um, we've seen all kinds of cases guys that have had ed for years that have gotten back to normal function guys that you know, are just slipping in the wrong direction that have gotten back to normal function very quickly. So it's been a game changer for a lot of guys. All right. The phone number to call is 801-901-8000. That's the phone number for the Wasatch Medical Clinic. And you got a special offer right now. We do. If you're struggling with erectile dysfunction, guys, and sick of the pills, um, we know that it can be embarrassing. And a lot of guys are thinking, I'll never go to the ED clinic. Mm -hmm. Call us right now. We'll do an initial analysis, exam, and assessment. Also, a blood flow ultrasound. Um, Pretty cool diagnostic tool normally that's 300 bucks. Call us now. We'll do it totally free. You can come in and just see where you're at. You may say, the treatments aren't for me. I'll call you in a year. Um, the doctor can probably tell you why you have erectile dysfunction, by the way. So give us a call now and see where you're at. No obligation.
0: 801-901-8000. That's the number for the Wasatch Medical Clinic. 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys.